listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, I have a confession. Yes, my son. So I came into this episode with a title in mind and it's already been blown up and we're not even out of the records. We just hit record and it's already been blown up. So I came in with the belief system that we were going to talk about sales tech as the new MarTech. That was my working title, kind of like orange is the new black old school, right? And you call yourself a marketer? Yeah, and that's you, you, totally you, wrong. With a title like that? You... And that's totally wrong. So we're actually going to talk about revenue tech. So we're going to go up a layer. So we have an awesome guest today. We're super excited to welcome Dan Gottlieb who is an analyst with Gartner for sales leaders to join us to talk about revenue tech and all things tech, basically. So Dan, welcome to Rattle and Pedal. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I kind of like the sales tech is the new MarTech. I think there's a bit to be had there. Maybe we can dig into that a little bit. Hey, Dan, there's an opening for a co-host on this podcast <laughs> if you want to join. You know, you know that one so I'm going to have to run up, that, the, up the chain here. In the prep, I think I extended the offer to him the other way. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> You're going to have to email the ombuds, ombudsman about that one. Yeah, just deflect those options. All right. So I think where we want to start, honestly, is just give us an introduction to you and your background because you've worn a lot of hats in a short amount of time. And I think it's important for our, our listeners and for us to understand kind of your journey to being an analyst within Gartner specifically, you know, working with sales leaders. So, yeah, my job right now is that I, as an analyst and Gartner for sales leaders, is that I lead a research calendar focused on revenue technology strategy. And there are two sort of key things to know about this that make it different. The first thing is that writing to research to Gartner for sales leaders means that, you know, while many folks think of Gartner as sort of writing the magic quadrants, right, and the hype cycles, and you know many of those research pieces have been written sort of mainly for the IT leaders and writing to the sales leaders about technology is is very much so a newer endeavor because we see the business buyer just surging on the scene as this critical individual that is getting more and more budget to make decisions on their own in partnership with IT and so the why revenue technology strategy? Why not just sales tech strategy? Well, because so much of what makes the sales organization effective is going to be that how their tech stack is able to integrate into the overall ecosystem of the go-to-market team's tech stack. If we want to do more advanced automation, if we want to more accurately better understand what's going on or the, or the actual buying journey of a particular account or segment of our market, we have to be able to, to share data uh, and interconnect our workflows. And so when we were building this thing out from the beginning, we said, we're not just going to do a sales tech strategy to then rebrand it in three years. Let's just start out of the gates with revenue tech. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it a lot, you know, and we're we're going to dig into this to this quickly. You have something you call the six core layers of a revenue tech stack, and I want you just to kind of give us the survey view of that because it's really really well architected and really well thought through, and it definitely does touch on all elements of sales and marketing and 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 then some. So, yeah, what we were really designing backwards from is how can I at a, you know, in a sort of single picture have the right level of information where we can walk a 
CRO or uh, you know an executive sales leader, a VP of sales for a business unit or a VP of sales at a growing company through the necessary layers of technology that they need to go to market either themselves or as in collaboration with their peers in in marketing in many cases, because pipeline is every year the number one priority for a sales leader. And how can we put the categories that we may talk about, the categories of vendors underneath of those layers so that we can sort of help orient towards the different activities that we need to do, teach in context how the different categories sort of stack up together and where they may work together, where they may not, and do that in a single conversation, right? So the, that sort of should help understand uh, how we decided to create the revenue tech stack. And the, we have six layers, the engagement layer, the application layer, the enablement layer, the operations layer, the infrastructure layer, and then the third-party data. It's not organized this way to be factually accurate for how data flows around the business, but really what we're thinking about is customer buyer engagement all the way back. And the engagement layer are the technologies that the organization is going to use to actually have a digital interaction, a touch point, right? Between a, a potential buying group, a customer, a prospect, and the, the organization. Yeah, that includes the sellers and even the, the website, for example. Then you have the application layer. And the way to think about the application layer is that many different functions, you know, we've created these this specialization model in how we go to market, right? We've got sort of demand gen, we've got field marketing and account-based, we've got sales development teams, inside sales, enterprise sales, customer success, account management, support. And what we've seen is that almost every one of those specialized functions has a primary application that they need to do their job. So in demand gen, it's marketing automation. In account-based, it's the account-based marketing applications and platforms. In customer success, it's the customer success management. If I'm an indirect seller, I use partnership relationship management tech. And what we're seeing is that that primary application for sales is very much so still up in the air. But one example is if you look at the, the sales development role, right? I remember listening to y'all's podcast about sales ruins everything, right? And one of the things that sales ruins is your inbox. Well, the technology, sales engagement applications for sales development reps is very much so a great example of the primary interface for the uh, the primary application I need to log into to do my job. So that's the application layer. Then we go down to the enablement layer. The enablement layer is really sort of, there's, there's two ways to think about it. There's how do I you know, create the training and content that is needed for customer-facing roles to do their job. That's classic. We could talk about that. That's its own episode, right? And then there's these sort of more advanced, more forward-looking ways of thinking about the way information flows around the business, knowledge management, conversations. And there's a lot of innovation there and used by sales enablement teams. Then we go to the operations layer. And the operations layer is really about how do I keep the trains running by running a sales organization? And, and, and so we kind of break it down into those two groups. We have the sales operations layer and the revenue operations layer. The sales operations layer is about keeping the trains running. So commissions, territory planning, document signatures, e-signatures, account planning, like these very sort of practical and functional tools to keep the trains running. 
But then in, in the revenue operations part of the operations layer, we're talking about how do I integrate data for, that the sales organization produces or from other organizations in sales? How do I use automation to do things like lead to account matching and routing? to do things like automate contact and activity capture and, and load that into the CRM, to do things like workflow automation so that I can do you know advanced automation so that when a certain kind of lead hits, we can trigger a few different kinds of experiences. And you see this really in, in account-based, for example, right? Trying to stitch together an experience across like four different technologies that also involves a human getting looped in in real time, right? That's a, a good example of needing workflow automation. And also technology like revenue intelligence that allows us to aggregate data against CRM data. So as you can see, I, I, I drag myself in the weeds, pull myself back out. That's the operations layer, infrastructure layer, we're talking core CRM, right? Or Salesforce automation. And then you've also got, especially in, in sales and marketing, and just go-to-market organizations that are more forward-looking, we're seeing a lot more interest in how do we use the, our data lake or a data warehouse and a CDP to do more advanced automation in addition to the CRM? And what's all the plumbing that I need in order to make that work? And then third-party data is is, of course, investing in the data signals that we need to enrich our own first-party data, right? We have our account data, contact data, intent data, technographic data, market intelligence. And so when you can look up and down like this, and you sort of have these six groups, right? We can use this as a quick way to look at our, our organization. We can look at a segment, we can look at the whole organization, and we can quickly, in a qualitative way, using a basic stoplight system, green, yellow, red, figure out our level of adoption, our level of satisfaction across each of the six layers. And it can just be a really helpful way to organize how we help talk to clients about their sales and marketing and revenue tech priorities. So I just completely verbally vomited all over you guys. And <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But I hope that that gives you sort of a way. And listener, thank you. Those are the six layers of the revenue tech stack. I would not call that a verbal vomit. I would call that a soliloquy. <laughs> I mean, that was excellent. That was excellent framework for our listeners to think about, you know, the the functional aspects of, of technology, but also the complexity that makes these things collapse of their own weight if you're not thinking strategically about how they fit together and what you're actually trying to achieve with them. You know, when we had Scott Brinker on talking about technology, we had to cut through, you know, his 8,000 or 9,000 different applications in his landscape to make sense of it. And what problem are we solving with it? But I love that six level ladder that, well, it's not necessarily a ladder. There's not a hierarchy to it. Right. You know, it's funny because, because we can also sort of use that framework to not only talk about problems that we need to solve, but to accelerate thinking about, we have new initiatives, new routes to market, new segments, how are they different? So we can play offense on, on what problems we're solving for and instead think about the use cases we're going to need to be successful. And with virtual or hybrid everything, you know, that the environment that most sales organizations are going to be operating in in perpetuity we need a way to not just figure out what to prioritize, but also what to filter out. You know, and I, I find that a lot of the time what I'm trying to do 
is help a business leader, a sales leader, really think hard about the actual like user stories that they are going to eventually need to go take to the vendors that they're going to get demos from, you know, and be able to articulate that in a way that they're comfortable with. What I really find interesting about what you've laid out is if I were to go backwards, I don't know, eight, 10 years, I think a lot of organizations just say, well, what technology do you have for the sales and marketing unit? And it was like super simple answer. Mm-hmm. Well, we have CRM for the sales team and we have marketing automation, maybe mm-hmm. for the marketing unit. What else do we need? And what I think is really nice about what you've built in this stack, and I want to point out to listeners that obviously there's a visual component of this that you can go to the Gartner website to download. We'll put it in the show notes because it's actually a really compelling visual that helps you understand the relationships of the two. But what I find interesting as you talk about it is even in a unsophisticated organization from a technology standpoint, there is a lot of this technology in use when you go up and down the list and you're probably not paying attention to it, right? You go, oh, we got a CRM. That's where we log, you know, that's where we organize the pipeline. It's where we log our activities. But there's a whole bunch of tech being used by a whole bunch of people at the edge of the organization and no one's paying attention to it. And what I love about these six layers is you go customer back. So you lead with the customer and the interactions the customer is having with the organization. And then you back all the way up to data in a very purposeful way. And I think, you know, even if you think of it, I'm I'm speaking to listeners here, even if you think of yourself as an organization that's maybe like, you know, not super sophisticated from a sales and marketing perspective as it relates to technology, I promise you, if you look at these layers, you're going to find all kinds of stuff you're using that you're not thinking about, you know, strategically how it's being used and how they all fit together. And that's what I actually really like about it. So it, 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 and I also like that you didn't go straight, you know, straight down the path of like, hey, here's sales tech, here's marketing tech, here's and just bundled all together into a giant, you know, subway map as we've had so many of those. You didn't do that. You did something totally different. And I think you gave us a much more useful application here. Well, glad to hear that. And if I were to sort of continue to pontificate on that particular, you know, what are the outcomes a lot of client calls that we have are that a lot of companies realize how aggressively rotated they are towards the needs of the enterprise and not necessarily the needs of the buyer or the needs of the seller up front. And I think that's, you know, an an opinion that is much stronger when one realizes on their own than if just, you know, prescribed from an outside perspective. That has definitely been one of the most intriguing findings has been how many organizations are suddenly realizing that one of their big, their, the opportunity that's been staring them in the face the whole time is that they're, they're thinking too big about digital, right? They're thinking too big about it and that there are these things that they can do that are right in front of them that, that, that can improve just the way that conversations are held or the ways that their sellers collaborate before meetings, during meetings, and after meetings. You know, there are these very straightforward things that can be technologies that can be invested in, but the technology just represents, you know, curiosity about like how how are meetings changing, for example. You'll you should see more of that for me in the next, you know, year because I think that that's where the research is certainly taking us and that's where our clients are, are taking us right now. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal. Divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. So, so I want to talk about virtual selling. There's so many of us have been selling virtually or remotely for 
decades, right? Mm. But then a lot of people weren't, right? And so a lot of people were thrust into this relatively quickly. In fact, we had Maria Bolden on from Gartner, and she, what did we call that, Jeff? It was the, it was the sales kill box, but she, I love her phrase. It's, you know, a 2019 seller walks into a 2022 selling environment, and they're walking into a kill box. And I guess I'd just like to get inside your head a little bit about, you know, what you're seeing in this transition to more and more virtual selling in this in this you know massive explosion of revenue tech you know what are some of the things that sales organizations are doing differently maybe doing permanently in applying technology to the sale to be more successful yeah i think that what i have seen is that organizations are looking at their sellers and and putting them into personas right putting them into personas as a way of thinking about how to help them adjust to this selling environment. And I think that the the real X factor that can get anybody to motivate change behavior is what do the buyers prefer? We may be one itching to go back face-to-face, but, but buyers aren't in many cases. And in many industries that beforehand were, you know, not, it wasn't even thought of, like the idea of not being face-to-face wasn't even a real thought that we were willing to entertain, you know? So I think that in terms of what we have seen uh, organizations doing, I think that the breaking virtual selling down, you know, we have three competencies that are essential and we've kind of mapped those competencies against technology to help companies better understand where their opportunities are for their tech stack. And so I'll try to walk through those competencies and sort of draw connections to the technology. So the three virtual selling competencies, the first one is just a virtual engagement. I mean, think very tactically here. How do I keep people more engaged in a live virtual meeting? And because I'm spending less time, I'm not afforded time in the hallways or in the post and the after and the lunch. How do I create meaningful engagement when I'm not there? Or how do I be everywhere in a deal when I'm not actually physically there in any of the calls that you're having? So asynchronous engagement. Asynchronous and live engagement are sort of two of the those the part of that one competency, virtual engagement. Talk about that in a minute. The second is data literacy. So not just the, the capacity to sort of know where to find and look at data, then to study and understand what it's telling you. And I'm not just talking about your own performance data because it's easy to track how many meetings and how many deals, but really it's about understanding buying signals, understanding different data points and being able to use that to your advantage. And so, you know, a really good example of that is, of course, marketing data, right? Demand gen data. I want to know what you've been reading of ours. That's a really good example. Can I use that to craft my story? Another example could be also as sellers, we get to generate data now. You know, we're generating a data throughout a deal, through what we talk about in conversations, through the length of the calls, through how many emails you go back and forth, through how many different, you know, meetings you have to have. So how do I understand my deal data and how that compares to broader data? So so data literacy is sort of the second competency. And then the third one is is a really honest one, and it's digital dexterity. And this is where when you think about dexterity, we're talking about both the ability to work digitally, right? So we've all been on a call where we're maybe in our personal lives more than our professional lives, where we may need to guide somebody through instructions on how to do something, navigating a machine. But then the the ambition to work digitally, that is to say, I, I'm, I'm not going to call people to help guide me through and handhold through things. Like I, I'm, I'm willing to figure it out and get messy. And so when you think about those three competencies of virtual sellers, 
many companies would say, well, that's enough. I'm going to have a tech stack and I'm going to invest in sellers that can adjust to the tech stack. And I actually think that's fundamentally backwards. Rather, what you should be doing is you should be saying, well, what are the technology? How can I put those priorities into my tech stack so that I can accelerate those competencies? So for example, when you look at engagement, how can I use technology to improve the live conversation rather than just putting all the burden on sellers to get better at it? How does this technology help? Same thing with asynchronous engagements. So, you know, examples of what that may look like is for a live conversation. Think about like visual collaboration software, like Miro boards and Mural and, yeah. and you know, those technologies can actually completely disrupt the sales meeting. We could we could be seeing the death of PowerPoint and the slides, you know, if, if we sort of think about, because what I'm competing with now is you checking your email, not paying attention at all, right? So either I just like have to be super compelling and just get you, have you literally on the edge of your seat with my sales presentation conversation, or I I can actually design the meeting so that you have to interact and engage. And I think that's where there's this, this complete wide open opportunity. So that's an example of live meetings, right? The second, you know, asynchronous is you think about uh, my colleagues talk about digital sales rooms. I can compile resources and put a video of myself on top of it. So rather than sending you a dozen PDFs after the call, or you're only going to download one of them, you know, I, I can just send you this like single link that you can keep referring back to that you can chat with me through. And it has my video on it. So when you send it to the, you know, the the technical experts that need to be brought in, they can get themselves caught up on what's going on in a deal and a click and a video from me. So that's like a really different way of thinking about extending yourself to be a wider in a deal, being everywhere in a deal. That's sort of how I, I love I'm that. trying to guide my clients to think about engagement on that layer. Data literacy. Our team did some some research pre-pandemic and basically what we discovered was that the frontline seller is the least data literate role, one of the least data literate roles in the enterprise. Yeah. In the entire company. In the entire company. Yeah. So but but we're we're totally flooding the zone on the data that we make available to them. Right. If you think about how and it's it's sort of funny because you think about how much time your ops folks have spent putting insights together for executives who are according to the research, way more data literate than frontline. Yeah, we kind of flood the zone on, on sellers with data. So same thinking applies here. The burden has to be on the tech stack to not just show, like, show you the insights about a deal, about a buyer, but also make them actionable. You know, With one click, can I enroll you in a prospecting cadence or sequence, for example? With like using Microsoft Teams channels or Slack channels with automation, can my hot leads find me there instead of, you know, I have to go into CRM every day to figure that out. Those are sort of examples that of data literacy where we're actually, it's going to be on the vendors to make it actionable. And I actually think this is going to be a really interesting and cool time for sales. And once we start moving away from dashboards and we start moving into more, say, data stories. I just started learning about data stories a year ago, ever since I joined Gartner. And, oh, it's so cool. I'll give you some examples. Imagine if your forecast came to you like a Spotify wrapped video where you're literally showing, you can just, you get a video that's auto-generated, right? That, that says, here is what's going on in the forecast. Here are the deals that you need to care about. Here are the deals that are going great. And that's generated by, by a piece of software, not by an ops rep, right? Or, or a seller getting in Teams or in Slack, 
you know, a bot that says, here are the 10 deals you need to call today and why. So I think that's really where, where we're headed is AI machine learning augmenting the seller like that. And data literacy or lack thereof is, is really going to drive the demand for, you know, it's going to be experience driven very much so. That's my take at least, which, which leads me to dexterity, right? Digital dexterity. And, and really what this translates to for sellers, this is a very simple idea to say, I have the easy, I always joke on calls, like I have the easy job, you have the hard job, which is getting everyone on board with this, but it's simplifying seller workflows and, and thinking like a UX designer. And you, you know, UX designers have such an interesting job. They have to like scientifically break down why a human-centric process is inefficient and you know we we can do that with some of the things we put sellers through internally with regards to how hard it is to put a proposal together how hard it is to find the answer to a question so there are ways that we can think like designers to simplify those kinds of workflows for for sellers and so i gave you the three competencies and so the three design principles for virtual selling that come from that are facilitate compelling virtual engagement help sellers adapt their tactics based on data and simplify the highly detailed day-to-day seller workflow. Those are three very easy to understand ways of looking at your stack to better understand how we carry out the key steps of our sales and buyers process. And yeah, I would say most companies today rotate really heavily on the back end of a deal, on the enterprise needs of what it takes to run pipeline and forecast management processes. And they kind of rely on the tradecraft of sellers to be effective at engaging at the front end of the sales process. And that's where there's a lot of opportunity. Unfortunately, Dan had more to say than we had time in this episode. Join us next week for the rest of our discussion with Dan Gottlieb on the mayhem surrounding sales tech. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.